Welcome everyone. This is Glenda Dawson and you're watching Glenda's Dragons Den. LD couldn't make it uh, with us tonight, but uh, he'll be joining us next week. And I just want to say thank you to our audience and to our, uh, the people who uh, continuously email us, send us messages, and we thank you for all the comments and of course anyone in the chat. So tonight I have a very interesting uh, guest, Tilly. How are you today? Hello there, Glenda. I'm doing very well. And what about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. So um, Tilly uh, has done a lot of things and is doing a lot of things, including writing. She's got her own podcast and, um, you know, uh, the rest, I'm going to let her tell you all about it. So why don't you just tell our audience a little bit, you know, something about you so they could get to know you. And then also before we go, ladies and gentlemen, please remember her show so you can go and you can watch it and you could support her also. So come on, Tilly, <laughs> tell us all about you. <laughs> sure. Well, my friends, my name is Tilly Treadwell. I am, you could say, a modern day paranormalist, author. Um, I think that that mostly sums up who I am today. <laughs> Although on a personal level, I am a paranormal experiencer and I have been from apparently in the cradle or in the, the little baby carrier. That's my earliest recollection of a paranormal experience. I was born in Lake Mary, Florida in 1991, and I've traveled back and forth between the northern states and Florida my whole life, you know, for family and whatnot. So I've had a nice mismatch of uh, paranormal activity, you could say, between here and there. And I think that life is really and truly quite magical. I hope simply to share that with everyone as we walk each other home. Mm, very good. Now, <laughs> um, so tell us about some of the writings. Um, you know, what have you done? What have you collaborated with? Absolutely. Well, my biggest project right now is the book that Tim R. Swartz, myself, and our writing team over at Zontar Press are producing. Um, this book is actually in the final stages. It's going to be released here within most likely the next eight months if it even takes that long. Um, I, I can't give too many spoilers about that, except I will say that I begin to go into what I call uh, meta mechanics. And that is my grand theory about the quantum universe, how it interacts with all of us here, time and different types of human and non-human incarnation and everything in between the Mandela effect, all of that and true stories of my own are going to be in this book. So I would highly recommend that people keep their eyes open for that. And of course, on my show, I'll offer updates. So you may mm -hmm. want to head over there and subscribe. Outside of that, I have an article authorship deal with the Quad Coalition of Sciences and the International Dogman Project. Mm -hmm. um, right now, I am working on a three-part series for the subject of dogman and dog people. Werewolves are also included in that mm -hmm. and then each month i do provide another article that is seasonally or holiday appropriate if you'd like to learn more about that you just go on to facebook search the quad coalition of sciences or the international dog man project request to join the group and that's the only place you can find these articles something more recent um 
I have scored a book deal with Joshua Cutchin. Mm. If you're familiar. So he and I are going to be working together in the future. And then the newest development, I can't share too many details yet, but I might be writing stage plays for a massive, uh, really cool show that works with state operas and things like that. So nice, nice. I keep busy. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get there? You know, we talked about when you had paranormal experiences when you were you were saying that when you were an infant basically. And and then oh you started writing. Like Mm-hmm. What was the transition like? Was it a calling? Was it just coincidence, as people say, just at the right place, the right time? Sure. I I like to think that it was a type of quantum alignment, magic, and mm-hmm. prayer um, that got me there. So for myself, I regard prayer as being mindful and choosing my own adventure every step of the way as much as I can. I'm big on free will and using that to create the best life choices possible. And I think that that attitude is magical in itself. So beyond that, um, I have a rich history of true, or at least I believe they're true, experiences to pull from since the time I was in the baby carrier. And this fascinates people because other people have had similar experiences and it's fun to compare notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, let me see, essentially it was a lot of synchronicity being in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. I would say stumbling across the right people at the right time too, really. There was the one morning this past year, last March, for example, I was cleaning the kitchen. I was dreadfully bored of listening to the same stuff over and over and over. So I put on Coast to Coast. Uh, For anyone who may not know, Coast to Coast is a massive show that is played internationally. They have wonderful guests and hosts, in my opinion. They cover all kinds of paranormal stuff. I put on the show. Tim Swartz happened to be the guest that day. And he was discussing his, at that time, most recent book, They Make the Others Among Us. Mm -hmm. I was so impressed by this guy's attitude, by his humility, his open-mindedness, his fairness towards non-human people. And I just decided, I want to know this guy. I want to at least try to help him and be of service as much as I can because I think that he has truly earned it. So I reached out to him via email and believe it or not, he got back to me pretty quickly. We became friends and the rest is history, as they say. (laughs) Oh, it's wonderful. It's nice to hear that no matter how uh, big he is, he still responds. You know, because there's some people that once they go to a certain level, they just, yeah. it's their assistance or they never respond. So it's it's nice to hear that. Yeah. So oh, he's wonderful. Um, yeah. He is the co-creator of The Weird Walk Home, and he is also the critical review uh, reviewer now on that show. And mm-hmm. he appears with me, well, he's starting to appear regularly with me too. So we do a lot lot together. We work very well together. He is one of the most humble human beings I've ever met. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of affection for him and a lot of respect for him personally and professionally. Nice. Nice. Um, Now you say um, part of his job is to review things to make sure that Review in what way, I guess I should ask. <laughs> sure. <laughs> he provides critical review. Mm-hmm. So he makes he makes sure that I'm not putting out, putting out anything whack, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can have a funky sense of humor. 
and it doesn't really land well. So he makes sure that I'm not too like off the rails in that way. But then he also reviews and makes sure that all of the facts are correct. He double checks all of my work. He double checks the lighting and the aesthetics and um, the content clips that I choose for the show as well, just to make sure that everything is cohesive and well done. Good. Yeah, so there's there's a lot to it there. He's mm -hmm. a he's a pretty cool Swiss knife if I do so myself. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm sure the audience would like to know more about your growing years and how the your experiences affected you, or if you yeah. were able to talk about them, or yeah, for sure. So um, I was born into and grew up in a super old school, German and Irish family. Mm -hmm. Let me think. I think the best way to describe them is that they saw children as best being seen, not heard. Mm -hmm. They were heavily, in my, in my opinion, emotionally constipated. They weren't, <laughs> they didn't laugh very much. Um, yeah, they also thought that I had issues. They thought that I was born with screws loose right. because of the things that I was seeing and saying. And I was told my whole life growing up that I should never talk about anything mm -hmm. that I see and mm -hmm. that if I talk about it too much, people will come and take me away and put me in a mental institution and put a mm -hmm. pill down my gullet. Mm -hmm. I didn't love that, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm the only person in my family who has the um, biological quirks that I do. Mm -hmm. I'm also the only experiencer of uh, anything paranormal for the most part. I mean, like there were a few exceptions where my mom did experience some of what I was talking about and she just immediately shut down and went into complete denial. She couldn't mm -hmm. handle it, which mm -hmm. I, I understand now where she was coming from mm -hmm. because now as a fully formed adult, I understand that my experiences are completely out of the realm of the norm in every way. Mm -hmm. And so I, although I, I do say that my biological family didn't handle this well. I don't think that they treated me well. Um, they didn't have any empathy for me. And now it, I still say I understand now mm -hmm. where they were coming from. And I have empathy for that and sympathy for that. And so mm -hmm. I try to leave that emotional content as much in the past as I can. But I still want people to understand that this has been my experience and now I speak out to try to help people who also are being labeled as insane mm -hmm. and may have been, you know, from childhood who are probably actually experiencing something else. So right. Right. I do have a few years of um, professional clinical mental health training Mm -hmm. And I, I come with a clean bill of mental and emotional health. I have no issues with like schizophrenia or schizoaffective or bipolar or any personality disorders. I have nothing going on. So I think I'm in a pretty good place to try to offer maybe just a completely different point of view. Mm -hmm. um, does that answer your question? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. I oh. think so. <laughs> oh, cool, cool. I, I realized I was maybe starting to ramble a little bit. No, you know what? That when we start talking and you just go, anybody goes off, it just means that it was meant to be said in my book. So, okay. you know. Um, so would you be able to share like an experience or two that you had when you were young or? Sure, sure. Um, the first one that I ever remember having, mm -hmm. I was, well, understanding how infants grow, I would say that I had to be no more than like three to six months old. Mm -hmm. I was in 
a, a baby carrier with the handle that you mm -hmm. use to carry a baby in the car and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I was wrapped up in a really nice, fluffy baby blue blanket. And mm -hmm. it, um, I had a nice pacifier in my mouth. I was just sitting there happy and content. There's a ceiling fan going around and around and around at my, um, it was my, I think it was my, my aunt's house at that time from when I had talked to my mom mm -hmm. about this briefly, but I was just sitting there happy and enjoying it. And then all of a sudden I was just poof, I was out of my body and there was, she presented herself to me as the moon, mm -hmm. but I have no idea who this person actually was and what her genetics were. I just don't know. Mm -hmm. But she took me out of my body and she was a big full moon. She was many times bigger than me and she like held me to her chest, mm -hmm. but somehow she didn't have arms and I still was staying there. And she said to me that uh, she really appreciated what I was coming here to do. Mm -hmm. And she asked me, is there anything that I can do for you? to help you. And I still remember that interaction because I think that I still had at that point sentience of some kind, mm -hmm. but being incarnate here, I think being an infant, it just, uh, the whole situation frightened and confused me. And so I remember being up against her and just crying, just like bursting out into tears, being terrified because she was so much bigger than me. And I was suddenly in this strange void place with her and whatnot. And so, boom, I was back into my physical body mm -hmm. and I was just absolutely inconsolable. Like I spit out my pacifier and I was just struggling against the blanket and wailing. And I remember that my parents and my family at that point, they couldn't calm me down. I cried myself to sleep because mm -hmm. I was so freaked out by what had happened. Um, and then too, as I discussed with you a little bit ago, I am diagnosed of being highly neurodivergent. Mm -hmm. There is now a study out that links neurodivergence, like certain types of autism, mm -hmm. to having a longer uh, vivid conscious memory. Mm -hmm. So now human people are starting to understand that some of us here actually do have memories from the crib. Mm -hmm. okay. Very good. And um, so these experiences uh, as well, that one would have been frightening to anybody yeah. Yeah. at that age, you know, because you're, you're experiencing it even as a human, not as a, you know, a being or whatever. Um, yeah. And it's very different, <laughs> very different. Um, now, that experience stayed with you and did that affect you later on in years or did it, it just like, okay, uh, I remember that, I still remember that, but I'm moving on. Sure. All of these experiences still affect me deeply to this day and i although i'm sure that the process of dying isn't fun i've been there a few times now mm -hmm. i i am in a way excited to go home hmm. yeah. yeah uh you still have <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, i always tell people that there's no rush because you came here to do something and if you finish it, you don't have to come back and redo it. And so it's always best to just get it over and done with, get get the job done. And then when you go back home, okay, I can move on from that project. Yeah. I don't have to keep reliving it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, now, when did you have any other types of experiences that like really stayed with you basically 
my first experiences with the um, Mandela effect or retconning, you could say, absolutely. Uh, these experiences are still with me to the point that I wrote about them massively in the book that's coming out here soon. Okay. I witnessed my grandma's mantle clock change. I, I looked away for a blink, looked back, the Roman numerals were different. Mm. And uh, for anyone who would like to, to go more in depth about this with me, you could also go to Where Did the Road Go Radio? Uh, they're available on YouTube. I did a whole show about my experience with this clock. I was only I was only a little kid. I was like three years old or something, and I had this experience. It's stuck with me to the point that now I watch clocks. I watch the Roman numeral clocks, and I I still see changes. Every once in a while, the timeline seems to flip. So one moment we're in a timeline or in a timeline group or set mm -hmm. where let's say four, the Roman numeral four is written as um, four eyes, but then mm -hmm. we might the next minute be in a timeline or a timeline set where it is I V mm -hmm. and <clears throat> then going online to do research mm -hmm. and even looking at old books about this, it always lines up with the current, um, timeline reality, but then as the clocks shift, I've noticed so does the information for the vast most part. And mm -hmm. I've watched this happen with live internet pages. Mm -hmm. And other people have, have taken note of these types of things as well. So I, I have some, <laughs> I have some faith in myself that maybe I'm not so nutsy after all. <laughs> <laughs> But of course, please don't listen to me. I'm nothing but a Barbie doll talking mad mess, probably. I'm <laughs> crazy. Please, everyone, um, deduce reality for yourself. <laughs> but, it, you know, I, I believe in the Mandela effect. And I believe what it, as I see it, it could be that, I mean, there's different theories, but one that I think to resonate a little more is that um, we jump at that moment uh, to different dimensions, for example, and we, we see ourselves in the other dimension and then all of a sudden we're back in this one, you know. Uh, so it's, um, it's very interesting and, you know, how many times have we said, oh no, that wall was green the whole time and then we're somebody's like no it's been blue the whole time and we're like exactly. each other like wait a second i know it was that color you know yeah. So, but yeah um, have you uh, have you ever experienced the mandela effect or retconning for yourself oh yeah you have mm -hmm. yeah. it's, um, it's it's one i'm 60 over 60. Okay, I'm in my 60s. I've experienced a lot of stuff. <laughs> well, that, I think that that's great. We can be nutty as acorns together. <laughs> <laughs> so um, now I understand that that uh, you know what a, that experience when you were very young is very, very scary. Was there any other experience that really became scary for you? Um, oh. No, to be honest, uh, any other experience that I've had has been, at least I, I think, really positive. Um, I regard, honestly, most human beings <laughs> as monsters m compared to the non-human experiences that I've had, if you want the full truth. I've gotten a lot more trouble and abuse and um, pain and dishonesty from human people Mm -hmm. And I have ever from any non-human encounter. So 
even the the so-called demons and parasites, mm -hmm. they've treated me very well. And they've been instrumental in helping me to understand apparently how this world works. And mm. without them, I wouldn't be able to even begin to make now the new series that I'm putting out on the Weird Walk Home, which is meta mechanics, talking about vibrations mm -hmm. and how uh, things like temperature, time, consciousness, light, noise or sound and, and cymatics play a role in all of this. Mm -hmm. But even the, the so-called darker entities, that's what human people call them, I don't see them as dark entities at all. I see them as opportunities and blessings that human people misconstrue. They have taught me that they only target certain types of human beings. And according to their morality, it makes sense to me and I support them in that. And this was a big part of my work with the Catholic Church and the so-called victims of these hauntings mm -hmm. because these human people did nothing but lie about what they were doing, the lifestyles that they were living, um, addictions that they had, family abuse that they were perpetrating. Mm -hmm. And because they were putting out all of that free food energy, that's what drew these non-human people in to eat that energy. And they've told me time and time again, if this person stops drunk driving and stops abusing their kid and their husband and or stops causing drama and trouble, Mm -hmm. stop stating their opinion as fact, all of those kinds of things, then we have nothing to feed on. There is no food for us here. We'll go away. But in the meantime, this is nothing personal. They are giving us free food. So why shouldn't we eat? We have to live too. Okay. What do you think about all of that though? <laughs> I, I think that if you stay negative, negative will feed off you. If you stay positive, you, you, you know, you'll have positive beings around you because that's what you shine. Yes. So it's, that's just, you know, it's um, like I call, you know, once you find your tribe, you find the tribe, the, the people around you who resonate with you, who yes. resonate the same vibrational level that you do. Yes. Um, so that's, that's the whole thing. Um, now, uh, did you ever go actually like a, a, I know that, you know, a lot of people are interested in, so paranormal investigator, did you actually ever have a team or go with people? Yeah. And, and how was that? Yes. Uh, we were with the Catholic church. Mm -hmm. We were what I would call an exorcism light team. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the core team, there were four of us, but sometimes there could be as many as five to six and occasionally seven, just mm -hmm. depending on what the case was supposed to be, depending upon the location and the reported activity. Um, but yes, we absolutely had a core official team mm -hmm. and we investigated several types of alleged hauntings and types of activity from what turned out, it seemed to be forest or wood or nature guardians mm -hmm. that were misunderstood mm -hmm. to alleged demons and parasites and poltergeists. And then there were a few cases that I thought they were straight up um, earthbound fairy or elemental types as well. Mm -hmm. There was there was a lot of variety there, which I don't know. I thought I thought it was cool. It taught me a lot. Oh, definitely. You know, a, a lot of people think that every single terrible thing that happens in a place that could that could be allegedly haunted is demon, and it could just be a spirit who's extremely angry because mm -hmm. they're misunderstood, disrespected. Yes, they they can't move on because the. They're being pulled back every time. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot, a lot of investigation that has to get taken, be taken place or take place um, mm -hmm. in order for somebody to be called um, 
into an exorcism or anything like that. I mean, you know, um, just because they appear to be a demon, that doesn't mean they're a demon. Correct. It could be just um, somebody that's, uh, you know, just a very angry soul, unfortunately. Uh, there's there's a lot there there's a lot in between here and there and people just go straight to there without checking all the facts first i know that yes yes and so this gets into the unfortunate habit of most human beings mm -hmm. to state their opinions as fact mm -hmm. and so even me i i admit that i, I talk a little bit differently Mm -hmm. on air to appeal to the uh the world at large but in my in my actual knocking off the theatrics life mm -hmm. i speak very flatly and plainly and objectively and mm -hmm. most people find that to be boring and unrelatable but they take the other extreme typically where they will say that thing is a demon. They've never talked to that person before. Mm -hmm. They can't even see that person. Mm -hmm. They don't know the history of the alleged victim. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot to it. And they just say, that's a demon. That's a horrible creature. And we are better because, for example, we're God's chosen um, people or something like that. There's a mm -hmm. lot of superiority that I find human beings to engage in. And that ties into a lot of delusion. So... Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of freedom that I understand most human people to engage in intellectually, emotionally, et cetera. And then they impose that also on other people, human mm -hmm. people and non-human people alike. This just creates, in my experience, a lot more trauma. So mm -hmm. with my mental health training background, I brought a very unique experience and understanding to this team mm -hmm. and to the Catholic Church. A big part of my role was to suss out whether or not these alleged victims were likely to be telling the truth, mm -hmm. were treating the resources that the church provided them appropriately, and whether or not they actually needed to be recommended for a formal exorcism. Mm -hmm. In my time doing that, not one person actually needed those resources, nor did they need an exorcism. Mental health care, mm -hmm. vibrational care, mm -hmm. and uh, personal responsibility and a change of lifestyle would have fixed everything. And mm -hmm. there were a few uh, cases where people did understand and respect what I was saying, and they took ownership. Mm -hmm. They changed their life, they changed their vibrations, and it stopped. The activity mm -hmm. stopped. Now, Steve Mara, if anyone's familiar with this gentleman, he's over in the UK. He has been investigating. I th actually, I think for longer than I've been in this in this <laughs> life. <laughs> oh my gosh, just talking about dating myself. <laughs> but he he is a brilliant guy, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. He is now talking about exactly what I just said. Mm -hmm. That if people stop the emotional extreme responses and they make certain lifestyle changes, mm -hmm. a lot of the time this stuff goes away. And he recently made a very bold claim that in all of his years of doing this work, mm -hmm. only about 12% of um, like house blessings were successful in the moderate to long run. Mm -hmm. I have been waiting for someone to talk about this because when I was with the Catholic Church, I was told that I should not talk about anything that I know, that I see, that I believe outside of the team because it doesn't, the science doesn't make sense to them. And although they believe me, humanity at large isn't ready. I think finally with people like Steve Mara and Barry Fitzgerald and now uh, Greg Ogles, and Tim Swartz, I think people are now ready to start understanding the science behind these things because there is a scientific core to everything mm -hmm. that people believe is magic, in my opinion. 
mm -hmm. to the point where I have three distinctions of magic. I have M-A-G-I-C, mm -hmm. that's stage magic, you know, sleight of hand, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And then there's M-A-G-I-C-K, that's mm -hmm. ritual magic. This gets more though into the quantum portion of it. Mm -hmm. And then there is what I call magic, M-A-G-I-Q. Mm -hmm. The Q stands for quantum. Mm -hmm. And it's really about metamechanics mm -hmm. and how all of this is scientific. And I think that over time, maybe the, the human sciences will bear out more of what I what I've been experiencing and being full mm -hmm. my life, my whole life. I hope that makes sense. Thank you for coming to the TED Talk. I appreciate it. <laughs> It makes sense. It makes sense. Everything is, first of all, everything is opportunity, right? Yes. Then, then we have the fact that um, with, like, for example, within the matrix, there's science and science takes care of everything. You think about it, you know, science takes care of the plants. Science takes care of how the, the weather affects happens and all that other stuff so why wouldn't it affect wouldn't you be able to explain it or um, understand it the paranormal world through science and I, I have been in um, events where they actually compare notes and give all the data to a scientist so the scientists can prove that it was scientifically done you know, that, that ghosts are not just there, you know, that they are there, that there's a reason why they're there. And there's, this is the possibility of why they would be there. Um, so um, scientifically paranormal metaphysics and science and even beliefs could all be to, tied together if people just paid attention. Now, as far as uh, you being on that team, that is very commendable because that is a very hard job. Thank you. And it it is. Um, I, you know, I have been in in fully from the beginning to the end uh, of a few exorcisms because I I helped and then I did one myself even though it wasn't the church Catholic Church sanctioning me, but like you know we don't know the the need was great and the need it would needed to get done before that whole approval uh, two years down the road type of thing it needed to get done like this you know it was affecting a child so uh, there was no time for full approval for for any of that stuff um sure i i hear you so but that is hard too because you got to walk into a person's house and be very open and very understanding and then watch every detail exactly every detail oh yeah you know even the lifestyle change maybe they're drinking so much that they're becoming violent and then that adds to the negativity of the house and then that adds at, yes. at, you know, maybe the violence that they're they're doing is against, um, you know, their wife, for example, or their husband, and then the parents or the grandparents of that person are there going like, what the heck, you know, and being um, trying to save and protect the person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, a lot of enmeshment. Yeah. And a lot of irresponsibility. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And as, as far as actual exorcisms go, mm -hmm. what I have been told by these so-called demons is that they have to be invited in. Even if it's a child, mm -hmm. there is some type of soul contract going on to fulfill yeah. a storyline. Right. And so they, they don't take it seriously or personally. And then too, they're, I've come across a few cases where the so-called exorcist and the so-called demon are familiar with each other and it's just kind of a, a feeding game on and off <laughs> and 
I, that's why, that's a large reason why I left religion. Yeah. I left the church. I won't work with them anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't agree personally with what they're doing. Although I support everyone else if they mm -hmm. want to have that adventure. Mm -hmm. That's just my understanding of the mind games going on behind the alleged exorcism. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm most open to your feedback and experience. Absolutely. Yeah, I've only, um, my whole life, I experienced my first exorcism at the age of five. So, really? Yeah. Yeah. I I was needed for my light, is what I was told. Okay. Yeah. So um, somehow the entity uh, would come down when I was there, and it wouldn't be doing harm to the person. And um, so. Um, when they decided to actually do something, then I was called just to kind of blind them, kind of to calm them down so they could detach it, basically, and send it on its merry way. Let's, okay, go ahead. I know we you have to go someplace else now, so go. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it's not something I'd like to do either because yeah. it, it takes a really does take a toll on the person who's doing it yeah and, and if they're doing it right it really does take a toll it, it does and what is a, a big disadvantage over here so we are if we're energetic empaths here in this physical incarnation mm -hmm. we lose life force energy that we cannot replenish mm -hmm. at least not on our own but over there, the non-human person who is in a physically lighter vibration, mm -hmm. they are just purely gaining energy from all mm -hmm. of that interaction. Right. So it's not exactly a fair or healthy game at all. So mm -hmm. this is why I talk about having healthy family systems, right. having healthy individuals, healthy couples, healthy, like mentally and emotionally healthy children who are... Um, well occupied and well protected so mm -hmm. that this stuff doesn't even have to take place right if that makes sense mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. it makes sense it makes sense um now in your now i'm assuming you got you received some type of training to be in that team or did they train you as you were going trained me as I was going. Okay. I was uh, specifically recruited by the, at that point, leader of the group. He chose me. Okay. And so I came with a bunch of qualifications already. Mm -hmm. I was vetted by the father at the local church. Mm -hmm. They got higher approval. And then that was it. I My, my job though, was very natural and simple anyways so it was more about just training me how to work with um a team mm -hmm. and like what criteria they need me to vet mm -hmm. with the alleged victims that that was the training that i went through mm -hmm. but everything else they gave me almost complete free reign because they were able to get a lot of verification that i was telling the truth Mm -hmm. They were able to listen to EVPs that they caught. They caught uh, footage on camera, mm -hmm. things of that nature. So they trusted me in that way. And then as well, there were a lot of things that I would say that I was being told from these alleged demons and whatnot mm -hmm. that apparently did actually validate some of the more little known stuff that is in the Bible. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of information that I was just receiving and refeeding to the Catholic Church that mm -hmm. one made sense, two was able to be verified that there was apparently some non-human, less physical person there mm -hmm. interacting with me and interacting with us. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, the biggest training that I went through was just about how to work with the team and the the vetting criteria. Very good. Very good. Yeah. I was just, you know, because I am always wondering 
sometimes the, the, I hear different churches, you know, different, I should say, locales of, of the Catholic yes. church. Uh, yes. Each one of them does it differently. So it's, it's from my, my understanding, they have guidelines, but the way they accomplish it sometimes, you know, it not, is. Not, not the same. So, yes. um, now, do you ever feel um, like you have been in other places at the same time? Like, do you feel sometimes like you're here, but you're in another dimension and uh, you get information from that dimension and you send information to that dimension? Has there ever been that type of a feeling? I think that's that's a great question and and rather unique. I appreciate that. Yes, actually. So part of the the neurodivergent Mm -hmm. diagnosis that I've received um, due to working with neuropsychologists and essentially neuroscientists, my brave way my brain waves function a little bit differently. So mm-hmm. I am just just for layman's terms, mm-hmm. I am almost always in that dreamy meditative state mm-hmm. that little kids are in. Okay. So with this type of meditative, um, extremely open-minded state that I tend to occupy, Mm -hmm. I'm not really here. Okay. Usually this is something that is related to things like um, dissociative identity disorder Mm -hmm. and other trauma-based disorders, but there are now um, bits and pieces of, of proof coming out that this can also be a genetic setting. For example, over in India, mm-hmm. there are some revered people, or at least there there were way back when, they seemed like they were not really there. They seemed ungrounded, but when people would go and talk to them, these people would give phenomenal advice. And they were known to be highly psychic and highly accurate, mm-hmm. but they just seemed kind of airheaded and not really there. And that's that's me. So um, I consistently feel like I'm not really here, even though, of course, I am. I'm sitting here right. talking to you and whatnot, but this is a very dreamlike experience for me, and this is how my whole life has been. And I, then this gets into, too, the more objective part of mm-hmm. my diagnosis, which is that I don't have a lot of ego or emotional content. And... I think that this also is part of why I have the paranormal and the non-human experiences that I do because I'm not emotionally explosive. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to push my opinion as fact onto other people. Mm-hmm. I'm not accusing non-human people of doing things that they're not doing. And I'm open to listening to what they have to say, why they operate as they do, all of that. It's it's a, a big package in my understanding so i think that it's really just another type of incarnation and i think that there are gifts and challenges Mm -hmm. that come with that so um for myself i'm horrible at math (laughs) (laughs) i i cannot i can add two and two and that's really about it (laughs) my brain just doesn't work that way and it never has and my teachers used to think that i was pulling their leg when i would say it's not making any sense to me But then I was in all of the advanced classes for reading and for writing, Mm -hmm. incredibly gifted and creative in that way. Um, I was praised as being a model student, just a little floaty and airheaded. But what's what's really wrong with that necessarily? Mm -hmm. That's that's funny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody always tries to label people. It's like just, yeah. just be, just be. There's no need to yeah. label, right? I agree. I agree. Uh, now, is there? Um, we are 
starting to come close to the end of the show. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Uh, yes. Thank you very much for asking, my dear. Well, <laughs> my husband and I are moving out of our cottage here next month, mm -hmm. and we are going to be starting to hold walks in person. So I have invitations to six states right now, and we're working on getting funding up to be able to do that with the, the new lifestyle that we are implementing. Mm -hmm. And then on top of this, uh, I've been working with a fantastic artist for the last month and a half. We've just finished our first merchandise design. So the Weird Walk Home merchandise is coming soon. Nice, nice, very nice. Uh, as well, um, I am a dessert tea blending master. I've been formally educated in that way too. I love to learn. And so now I'm putting that to use too. When the eShop launches, there are going to be organic hand blended small batch dessert teas that I have formulated and blended myself. They're gonna be up for sale there. This whole eShop is gonna be paranormal themed. And I'm cool. working on some fun names right now for all the teas and whatnot. I'm going to have the merchandise to go with it. And then gift boxes will be available too. I'm going to try to do one for each season so that everyone gets a really nice tea experience. And yeah, uh, oh goodness, I think that covers it. <laughs> Very good. Well, I would like to thank you for uh, being so candid and so open. And, um, you know, it's been great to hear your, your experiences um, because, you know, everybody's experience is different and maybe there are other people out there that have the same experiences as you or similar and yeah. can feel like they're not so out of this world anymore. They could feel that they're safe. And, yes. Uh, you know, not the only ones, that's for sure. Uh, so I would like to say thank you and I will have all, you know, your email and any other link like your YouTube link and all that in the description so people can find you and that's uh, basically it. I'd like to say thank you very much for being here. I'd like to thank the audience as always and we love you and have a great day. Bye. Thank you, Tilly. You're welcome.